0: Hey, and welcome to All Things Renovation with Brandy the Boss Lady. And Paul the Wood Magician. We're a fun-loving couple who eat, breathe, and live all things renovation, and we'll be your hosts on this podcast. We created the podcast to help you take a confident role in your renovation dreams. In this series, you'll learn how to plan your renovation, know whether your project is a job for you or a contractor, how to hire and work with a contractor, and loads of pro tips on how to turn your renovation dreams into a reality. Let's jump in. This podcast is brought to you by WoodBeArt. Art. Whidbey Art is a renovation company providing you a renovation experience you will actually love. We specialize in turning anything our clients can dream up, pin up, or sketch up on a napkin into reality, making their houses feel more like home. Visit us at woodbeart.com to book your complimentary consultation today with Brandy the Boss Lady and Paul the Wood Magician. Hey and welcome to Episode 4 in our foundation series. So far, we've talked about planning and should you hire a contractor or not. And in today's episode, we're going to get into the anatomy of hiring one. So many people have heard of or lived through a renovation horror story due to their contractors. Things like not showing up when promised, abandoning their project for weeks at a time, and leaving damage and debris during and at the conclusion of the job. Poor communication and quoting low t- only to get the job and then to lump on huge amounts of extra costs at the end to make up the difference, as well as poor workmanship. Anyone you know had an experience like this? So, who should you get to do the work? This is the crucial question. You could have the most amazing design, an appropriate budget, but have an absolutely awful experience if the contractor you're collaborating with has terrible workmanship, communication, and lacks integrity. That said, you need to understand that there's a cost to high-quality work, and I'd argue, argue an even higher cost to crappy work that needs to be redone, both financially and emotionally. There's a quote I heard the other day, I think Warren Buffett said it, Price is what you pay, and value is what you get. We are all looking for the best value that our dollars can buy, and that's the balance that every project needs to find. So how does one find a proper contractor? It's not a one size fits all kind of thing. Each project is different from level of finish to the predictable challenge ahead of the final result. As we discussed in the last episodes, you should have done some homework to identify what type of project you need done go over some foundational questions to be able to have a platform for making decisions from and what your personal preferences are. Regardless of whether or not you need an architect or want to engage with a designer, you will need a competent contractor. You may simply need a specialized kitchen contractor if you're only replacing cabinetry, or perhaps you need a general contractor that can take on and organize a larger scope of work. Either way, step one is to start asking friends and colleagues to see if Anyone you know and trust in your network has any personal recommendations, and if you turn up goose eggs there, you could also go and ask local real estate agents or local suppliers as they often rub shoulders with contractors on a regular basis. An old school way that I'm sure my dad would take on is to drive around your neighborhood and see if there's any active projects going on and chat with the homeowner about their experience. Who knows? Maybe you'll make a friend and be introduced to your next potential contractor. Personally, I scout around all the time, keeping an eye out for good subtrades, because I believe in using great, qualified crews on all of our jobs. Now, last resort would be good old Google. They can give you a list of contractors in your area, or websites like Houzz.com have companies that pay to be listed as a local pro at the bottom of the page, and they often have reviews that you can read. Note that reviews can be requested from said pro from happy clients, so they could be weighted on the favorable side. The same applies to a Google review. On a slightly different angle is the BBB, Better Business Bureau. It takes a complaint to impact a rating with them, so your contractor could have a AAA rating, but is a hack that nobody has complained about just yet. On the flip side, keep in mind that sometimes even good contractors can receive complaints. So if your top choice has a less than optimal review, give them a call and see how they resolve their client's issue. I mean, was the complaint resolved quickly and professionally? And did the contractor finish the project with a satisfied customer? Check out potential contractor websites, reviews, search their names with other keywords like scam or ripoff, and see what comes up with the woodwork. Step two, we need to create a list of questions and start calling around. Now there's no minimum number of contractors you should connect with, but if you start with a hefty lift to call initially, there's a good chance you'll end up with a short list of two or three contenders. During the initial conversation, note the manner in which they converse with you, as well as their, their answers to your questions. Do they answer the phone professionally? Do they speak to you with respect? Do they seem interested in and excited by your project? And do they answer your questions directly, or do, you, do they give you kind of a, a runaround about timeline and cost and various things like that? Contractors are busy people, so the initial conversation should not be long enough to give you a good feel but not overly long, so that they'll start feeling the pull of their other tasks, especially if you call them during the day. Start by briefly explaining the scope of the job. Say it's a kitchen reno, an extension, an attic conversion, and also where you live. Then ask if this is work that they would have interest in and experience in. Their website may already tell you a little bit about their experience, but it's good to confirm that they want to continue to do that kind of work. I have to say we are a bit guilty of not updating our site often enough and over the years we have decided for one reason or another to not take on various types of projects or service a particular geographic area. If the answer is no then you simply move on. If the answer is yes then you ask if they have room in their schedule to take it on in your time frame. We do a wide range of work and often have work booked months in advance so Even if I would be interested in the work and I may not be able to take it on if your project completion date conflicts with our workload, I would say, I'm sorry, I can't take your job on right now. I tend to put more emphasis on serving our clients than overextending myself just to take on another project. And I'll touch base on this point again in a bit. Now ask if they have a business license and for how long they've been in business. Do they have WCB and liability insurance? And if they don't, move on. Next thing to ask would be, if requested, could they provide a list of references you can connect with? Or maybe could you stop by an active job site? Any contractor should have no problem with either of these, and you should definitely ask for the references. So true story. I was recently asked for a reference, which I happily provided, and our now client went above and beyond simply calling the reference I provided once she realized that she knew someone that he worked with. She called this coworker um, to see if we were related, and also to see if she had heard any negative feedback during the active stages of the work, just through the office water cooler chat. Now that's due diligence. Now I wouldn't recommend that you go that far unless you have a personal com- connection, but if you do, go for it. After a number of conversations like this, you should have a short list of people to call back, and once you're satisfied that they are all solidly set up and are willing to meet to discuss the particulars of the project with you, you'll probably have even more questions. Step three, the interrogation or uh, the interview. When interviewing a contractor, what should you ask and what should you provide? So you should provide any plans done by an architect or a designer, as clear a scope as possible, and ideally a finished schedule to get the best chance of getting a firm cost, as well as the ability to get an apples to apples quote from various contractors that you're speaking with. If you discuss other options with a contractor that deviate away from the scope you've identified to another, one way to deal with this is to ask that contractor to provide a separate cost on that element so that when you do get your quotes in, it'll be easier to compare them. Through organic conversation and walking around your home, the contractor should be identifying the scope and starting to get a better feel for you and you with them. Some clients want to keep their budgets to themselves for fear that a contractor will bid right up to the max to make a quick buck. However, we found that knowing the budget upfront helps us to gauge if it's realistic relative to what is being requested and allows us to advise early on about potential compromises that might need to be made or other ways to potentially provide some cost savings. So if you are comfortable with it, provide a budget range. Now there's a few more questions that should be on your list. How long have they been in business, contracting companies, that have been in operation for a number of years, have most likely worked through a lot of the growing pains and created systems to have their projects run smoothly, or one would hope anyway. However, most business owners were in the trade at some point before starting their business, so they have technical experience to back them up even if they're just starting out. Now everyone has to start somewhere, right? If your instincts are telling you to go with a contractor who is a bit on the greener side, consider starting off with a smaller project. If after you've have done that and you're satisfied with the quality of work, the service, and the business skills they possess, you can both move on to something larger. Now what is the turnaround time on their quotes? This gives you an idea of when to follow up with them, if they do need more time to communicate this to you or not, and to see if they actually will do what they say they're going to do. I generally try for a seven to ten day turnaround depending on the scale of the project, but you know if I need to contact a lot of subtrades it could vary a little bit. If it is going to be longer than I say, I will always contact our potential clients so they know we haven't forgotten about them. And then who manages and works on the projects and what experience do they have? You'll want experienced people on the job and you have the right to know who will be working on your house and how much experience they have. In our case, we use trusted subtrades. We've developed relationships over the years and provide hands-on project management ourselves. And then how do they handle unforeseen construction issues and are all the changes and modifications documented in some way? There is usually something that does not go exactly to plan in any given project. It can be something minor, or it can be something more involved. How is the communication of the problem handled and solved and the financial impact to the project? Ideally, immediate notification of the issue, suggestions for the solution, and once identified, a change order issued showing the cost and the schedule impact for your approval before moving forward. This way, all parties have proof of the changes and the approvals, and we aim for financial transparency and provide number change orders with a tally of the approved expenses. And then how do we deal with product selections? Since every product that a renovation company takes on will need some finishing products and fixtures, inquire about how they choose these items. Some of them will have a standard plumbing fixture package for a bathroom suite, for instance, where others may require you to provide a list of items you wish to use in the project. And this leads me to the next one, which is Do you have a designer on staff? Some construction companies have their own interior designer on staff and others do not. Those who don't may either have to outsource this job or ask you to hire your own interior designer should one be needed. In our case, I take on the the designer role if needed at a fee, outsource to a designer I trust, or if a client has the time and the desire to go source items, provide a bit of advice and guidance on where to go. What option do we exercise mainly depends on the scale of the project and the savvy of the client. And then you want to make sure that they still have time in their schedule for your project. Again, many things may have changed since you've first spoken with them. Maybe they were approved on another project, or maybe they booked a vacation, for instance. And again, we, I want to come back to this idea of references, or being able to go and visit an active job site that's been recently completed. Ultimately, they should be, without hesitation, providing you some references. Full stop. And if you are able to go to an active job site, look for how clean it is if any protection for existing areas of the space has been addressed and safety is a big deal for crews fall protection framing for instance uh up high and all of their crews ppe personal protective equipment hearing and eye protection that the security has been set up if the home is open for example like if the new windows and doors are not quite in place yet and for all the stage materials Security fencing is the most common here, but sometimes we get into surveillance cameras and that sort of thing. And then how are the tradespeople behaving? For instance, they should not be smoking in the space or adjacent to the space, and preferably not cursing all day long and treating the place as though you know they don't really care about it. We often will arrange a field trip for potential clients to a past client's house so they can see firsthand the work that we've done and help them make some design decisions. Having them meet a bunch of happy clients along the way never hurts either. So step four, the evaluation. Once you've met with all the potential contractors, called the references and seen some of their work, received their quotes, you'll need to evaluate them and most likely ask some follow-up questions before making a final decision. Assuming that you've provided a clear enough direction and scope, the quotes you get should be similar both in scope and pricing. If one is much lower, there's a good chance that the contractor missed something and will most likely come back to you for more money at the end of the project, has poor quality work, or at worst, is someone out to scam you. The quote itself might also offer some insight as to how detailed and professional the company is. For instance, a two-line quote that could be tweeted out and a professionally detailed multi-page proposal on letterhead are vastly different. Check out if your information on the quote's is correct your address your name your phone number also is there information on the quote contact office number location email a detailed quote with quantifiable scope scope items will provide a blueprint for the work included and almost more importantly the work excluded the potential billable addition to scope of work items that could be billed for and what the contractor is going to be responsible for and what they're not responsible for is there a note of approximately how long the project is expected to take? And is there insurance and WCB information listed? Are the payment terms or schedule listed? And most importantly, again, what is not included? Oftentimes, if things aren't totally clear right at the beginning of what the scope is, say a fixture, for instance, or what the flooring details are going to be. Sometimes people will put an allowance for that and other people will exclude it altogether. So you want to make sure that the bottom line number that you're seeing is clear and that you know what is included and what is not included. Overall, the most reputable contractors will be similarly priced and have their businesses set up properly with a good track record of clients who they've completed work for. Something I often touch on when first getting to know a potential client is that there is value in finding a personality match. There's a huge amount of trust that you place in a contractor. So identifying who you work with is the most important decision that you'll make. Whoever you choose to work with will be in your space, in your face, and your overall experience could be like a hot summer romance or like your worst stalker nightmare, depending on who you choose. Thanks for joining me today. I hope you found some valuable tips to consider when looking to hire a contractor for your next project. Be sure to tune in next time as we'll be getting into what to expect when collaborating with your contractor. Don't sweat it if you didn't write down all the questions as we'll post it all in the show notes at allthingsrenovation.com. Ciao for now. Thank you so much for hanging out with us today and learning about all things renovation. We hope after listening, you feel even more empowered to take a confident role in your renovation dreams. You can find all additional episodes and resources for All Things Renovation at our website, allthingsrenovation.com. And if you're ready to make your house feel more like home, you can contact us at wouldbeart.com to get started on your dream project now.